As I mentioned, this morning we'll be starting a new series on Ecclesiastes. So we'll be starting with um, chapter 1, which can be found on page 472 of some of your Pew Bibles. I'm going to be reading the whole chapter, so bear with me. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ears its fill of hearing. What has been will be again, and what will be done what has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, Look, this is something new? It was here already, long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. I, the teacher, was king over, the, over Israel and Jerusalem. I applied my mind to study and to explore by wisdom all that is under the heavens. What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. What is crooked cannot be straightened, and what is lacking cannot be counted. I said to myself, Look, I have increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I have experienced much wisdom and much knowledge. Then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom and also of madness and folly, but I learned that this too is chasing after the wind. For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. May God bless his word. Today we begin a new series. I've entitled it Making Sense of Meaningless Life. And I feel like at the beginning of, at the beginning of this new series and at the beginning of my message today, I need to come clean with an explanation of why I chose Ecclesiastes. There's an awful lot in this book to get our attention. And we've come from looking at the longest sermon Jesus ever preached in the Bible. We spent five months going through the Sermon on the Mount together. It began in May and then we just finished up last week. And if you missed last week's sermon, you can find it online. I really encourage you to listen to that message. But we looked at Jesus's most amazing and best and longest sermon. And after that, everything else is, you know, downhill from there, right? No, it's not. And the reason why everything is not downhill after we've studied the words of Christ is because all scripture, 
Old Testament and New Testament, is inspired by God and is profitable for our own lives and for our teaching and for, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that each one of us might be equipped by God for every good work. And so we not uh, simply look, we don't simply look at the New Testament and the words of Christ and say, that's the word of God, that's the Bible. Instead, we take all of the Bible and my my own methodology usually is to go from a New Testament series or a New Testament book into an Old Testament book and then try and teach us not only the meaning of the book, but how the book points us to Christ and also how do we interpret a book that was given to the Old Testament Jews from a Christian perspective where we're at right now. So not simply because I like balancing um, the the Old Testament after we preach the New Testament, not simply because Ecclesiastes teaches wisdom, just like the Sermon on the Mount teaches the wisdom of Christ. But I think I chose this book because it causes us to face some of the most important questions there are in life. And I think in our lives, there's two different kinds of questions. There are um, the superficial questions and then there's the probing questions. So we have a roving mic today and I want to talk about both kinds of questions that there are flowing around in, in our brains today, and you might find as you encounter other people in conversation, they're thinking about these questions. But let's talk about two kinds of questions as we begin this series. The first kind of questions are the, the superficial questions, but they might be important to you. Now, who's got the roving mic? Justin, you got the roving mic? Okay, if you want to tell me what you think is a superficial question, but yet still important, um, raise your hand. Justin's going to give you the mic and you can share it. We don't want to have everybody screaming out at the same time. Okay, we've got a question. We've got a person in the back. Um, give them the mic. Tell us a superficial but important question. How do I look today? How do I look today? How many of you thought about that today? I did. Why do you think I took my crazy glasses off and my hat off? It's because I care what I look like when I stand up here and you're all staring at me if you can see me through the flowers. Okay. Um, someone else, what is a superficial question, but yet important to you on this day as we gather together? Raise your hand. What should I use money for? Yeah, what should I give money for? It's not that that's not important. That is important, but could be a superficial question. Someone else, superficial yet important? What's for lunch? Well, amen, brother. What's for lunch? And I'm thinking about it now and I'm just beginning my message. So good news, people. It won't be long today. Um, someone else. Superficial but important question in the front and in the middle. Let's do middle first and front. Oops. Justin. Whoop. What is the beauty? What? What is the beauty? What is what? Beauty. Okay. What is beauty? Okay. Beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. Okay. Someone else. Uh, what college do you want to go to? Yes. What college do I go to? Um, who do I marry? I'm not saying that's unimportant. Um, but these are questions that are important questions, but they don't fall into the second category. One last person on a superficial yet important question before we go on to a different category. Someone else? What should I be for Halloween? Yes, what shall I be for Halloween? Um, 
last time I saw, I got to tell you this and then I'm probably going to get fired, but I'm going to tell it to you first. Um, I don't know if you guys celebrate Halloween. I forgot to ask the elders. So if I'm saying something wrong, then please um, it, give me one free pass. Um, but when we were in Florida uh, for a year of furlough in 2006, 2007, my very tall 15 year old son at the time, Martin, um, said, Dad, I've never gone trick or treating in the U.S. Can I do it? And I'm like, dude, you're 15 years old, you know. And but I said, I know what we can do. We can put on our Superman shirts and we can take big pumpkins, carve them out, put them on our head and we can be super pumpkins and go around the neighborhood. So that's what we did. We went trick or treating and, and I would go there. I wouldn't say anything. I would open up my, my pillowcase for them to put candy while, while I'm listening to the person giving candy say to my son, you're too old, Sonny, for this. While me at <laughs> past 40, I filled my pillowcase while my son's like, okay, so, um, Superficial yet important question. What will I be for Halloween? Um, Okay. Superficial questions. Important questions. Now I'm going to switch the category. I want to talk about probing questions. I want to talk about ultimate questions. I want to talk about the questions that God wants to bring to our attention today to wake us up. Anybody want to take a stab? Where's the roving mic person? Okay, we got roving mic. Anybody want to try a stab at a probing question, an ultimate question, something that you really need to face, but you probably didn't think about until you came here today? Anybody want to try? Justin, you be the man, so I can't see anybody. I can't see anything, so please. Uh, Why do bad things happen to good people? Oh, that is a probing question. Isn't it? Why do bad things happen to good people? I'm not going to comment on that. I'm just going to say I agree. That's a great question. Someone else? Um, if God didn't want sin in the world, then why would he create the tree of like the fruit of knowledge and good and evil? Fabulous question. You guys are thinking today, all right? I did not pre-pan um, these, these answers and hand out little cards. We're, we're seeing where are we at today. What's a probing question? Someone else, raise your hand. Those of you who've been thinking this morning, not just about what you're going to wear or be for Halloween, but thinking about the ultimate. Um, what is the purpose of my life? Yeah. What's the purpose of your life? Someone else? Why am I here on earth? Yeah. Come up here, son. No. <laughs> you got that from my manuscript. Okay, someone else. Am I a true follower of Jesus? Okay. That was last week's sermon. You've got to listen to it online. Okay, someone else? Can a Christian lose their salvation? Okay. Can a Christian lose their salvation? Someone else. Probing ultimate questions. What is real salvation? What is real salvation? Excellent. Someone else. Probing questions. Ultimate questions. Can God create a stone he can't push? No comment. Does anybody else have anything they'd like to share? Um, uh, uh, Let's hit one more. One last probing and ultimate question. Is God a boy or a girl? Oh. Oh. Okay, Um, he's God. Okay, so we have a question. We have an answer. He's God. 
I'm not going to touch that one with a 10 foot pole. But what does Ecclesiastes bring up? Ecclesiastes is set in a backdrop of an assumption that we cannot get away from. And that assumption is that things never change. What has always been will always be. And that's the perspective from which we view our own lives and the questions that we're thinking about and answering today. So if things never change, then what can we learn and how can we respond to that? Now, there are ultimate questions. One of the ultimate questions that I faced as as a child, I think I was about um, probably about seven or eight years old. My father took me to a Charlie Brown movie and I had an existential moment in, in the movie. After buying me Coke and popcorn, we sat in the back of the movie theater, a very large movie theater. It was huge, people, huge. And while, while I was in the movie theater, the movie starts and here comes Charlie Brown and Peanuts and Snoopy and Linus and Pigpen and um, Lucy and all these people and everything. And they start, start the movie and I wasn't paying attention. I started thinking about something in the darkness right before the move, movie started. And I thought about this question. And I want you to think about it today. I thought this question. Where was I before I was? And as Snoopy continued and Charlie Brown continued and Linus started playing on the piano, I came up with a profound answer to that question. And the answer that I came up with at that ripe old age of probably eight or nine was this. I was not. And then I started thinking about that. And that was really heavy as I had this existential moment. And I thought and I thought and I thought and, and it made me more anxious, more anxious, more anxious. I said, Dad, I'm going to hurl. So I ran to the bathroom and I threw up and my dad thought it was because he got me too much popcorn. No, it was because I realized that there were questions in life that were too important to ignore. Questions that we're going to face as we go through Ecclesiastes together. Questions like this. Why am I here? What is the meaning of life? You know, as people ask that question, what is the meaning of life? They have different ways of answering it. Some people answer the question of what is the meaning of life from the perspective of their relationships. And they say, well, family is the meaning of life. It's all about family. Well, what if you don't have a family or what if you're an orphan right now? What if your parents were killed in the Syrian war? Or died of AIDS in Africa. And you're left with nobody to take care of you. Well then, if the meaning of life is family, then it's a sick joke, isn't it? Some people answer the question of what is the meaning of life by saying, well, it's my job. And you know what? I've been around here long enough. What? Three plus months. You guys should have an anniversary cake to celebrate how long I've been here. Um, July 9th. So what, what is today? Today is what? October Oh, today's the 8th. Well, okay, so, so tomorrow's the 9th. Okay. No, I arrived on the 8th, but I preached on the 9th. All right, because my plane got in a little bit late. So today is my anniversary, July, August, September, October. Three-month anniversary, you didn't bring me a cake. But I've been here three months, and that's long enough to know that for many of you, you're seeking the meaning, meaning of your life in your job. You are. Face it. Admit it. Others of you are thinking that the meaning of life is how much money you can come up with. Some of you are thinking that the meaning of your life is your entertainment, your hobbies, your sports team, whatever it is. 
And as we go through Ecclesiastes, we'll see that many people seek the meaning of life in all those things that I've just mentioned or in things like pleasure. Who died in the last week that everybody was talking about? Anybody dare to say it in the church? Who died? Hugh Hefner. Okay, the the founder of Playboy magazine who created a revolution of free thinking and sexual freedom in our country today. We wouldn't be so messed up as we are morally today as a nation if it weren't for Hugh Hefner and his magazine. But yet for many people, that's what life is. So what is the message of Ecclesiastes that we just heard read so well? What is the message? What is God trying to teach us today? The first point of my outline is this. God wants us to stop and think. And when you stop to think, everything seems meaningless. Do you see that? How many times in the passage do we see that word? Meaningless. Meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. That's the answer to the question of what is the meaning of life from the perspective of the one who says that he's the teacher, the son of David, the king of Jerusalem. Now, there's some disagreement amongst Bible scholars. Was this really Solomon who wrote this, the son of David, the king in Jerusalem? And I'll give you my reasons why or why not in a later message. But from the perspective of either the actual Solomon or one who's writing as if he's Solomon in order to make a point, just like on Saturday Night Live, you see people like Alec Baldwin, you know, pretending to be the president of the United States to make a point. And then the wisdom that comes from the mouth of the person on um, Saturday Night Live seems to be very similar to the person who occupies the Oval Office. So we have in ancient Near Eastern literature at the time, people assuming the role of a person or of a position here in this instance, the one who's known as the teacher or the New American Standard Bible translates it the prophet. The one who brings wisdom, who tells us that the answer to the question of what is the meaning of life is simply this. It's meaningless. That is your life. From the perspective of one who claims to have the divine wisdom of God in his heart and coming through his pen and through his mouth to speak to us in this generation and in all generations. The meaning of life, as you look at pleasure, possessions, all the things that people throw themselves in, is simply meaninglessness. Now, if you haven't had an existential moment that wants you to hurl your breakfast, then I want you to. Because what God is trying to do through this book is to wake us up to think about our lives so that from his perspective, so that we can then think about what our lives should be. So from the perspective of the teacher of Israel, one who's considering things under the sun. In other words, this is how it is. It is how it is. And from that perspective... Simply considering things of how it is under the sun. The teacher of Israel says. It's meaningless. It's worthless. New American Standard says vanity. Well, What's the difference between vanity? Why did the New American Standard translators in 1977 say vanity, vanity, all is vanity. And then the NIV translators a few years later said meaningless, me meaningless, meaningless. Why did they choose different words to translate this Hebrew word? I'll tell you, well, it depends. Um, on what they wanted to get out from it. The word that's translated meaningless or translated vanity carries a connotation of, well, let's look at vanity. Vanity is telling us 
that something gives the appearance of being great, but actually it's not. It's very shallow. It could even be fleeting and there's nothing to it. And if you think there is, then it's only because of your pride. So much in our world today is vanity. I tried to think of the best example of vanity that I could bring to your attention today at this point in the message. And what did I think of? I thought of Kim Kardashian. Um, so forgive me if I'm stepping on toes at, at, at this point. But I had the opportunity to see Kim Kardashian in person. I was in Maui. I was going into this place to to, to buy something in a shop um, right on the waterfront in Maui several years ago. And in fact, I, I was trying to buy a pair of flip flops, you know, of, of slippers and in walks Kim Kardashian. And I'm like, my heart stopped. I don't know why. Um, I don't even think she's gorgeous like everybody else says. But my heart stopped. And I'm thinking, this is Kim Kardashian. And I'm like, how can I be cool and get a picture um, and, and not look like a typical tourist? So I bought my sandals. I walked outside on the sidewalk far enough away so that she couldn't really see me. And I waited for her to come out. And then she comes out and I turned around and I took a picture of Kim Kardashian. Now, why did I do that? Vanity, vanity, meaningless, meaningless. I did that because the world thinks that Kim Kardashian is the person we ought to be paying attention to today. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity, says the preacher. Things that seem like they're ultimately important, but from the perspective of God, what are they? Nothing more than pride. And so the New American Standard Bible translators translate it vanity, but the New International Version translates it as meaningless. Though you work hard, You will pass from this world and the earth will remain and then you will die. Why is life meaningless? It's because of what he says in verses three. The first reason looking in verses three and four. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go. But the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and it hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and it turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All the streams flow in to the sea, yet the sea is never full to the place the streams come from. There they return again. What is God saying to us? He's saying, consider your life right now. The fact that you're working very hard. And your life is going to pass away. But yet the earth is still going to remain. Life is going on. It's going to continue. You know what this is? This is a wake up call to all of you job zombies out there. I run into job zombies everywhere I go, especially in China. I'm sitting in a taxi. I'm in Beijing. And and I ask the guy, you know, do you go to church? He's like, no, I don't go to church. And I'm like, well, why don't you go to church? And he says, well, because I have to work. And I said, so you have to work seven days a week, 365 days a year. He says, yes, that's what I do. I drive a car. I don't have time. And I said, you know what? You're too busy. He said, what? If I, if I don't um, drive every day of the week, I won't make enough money. And I thought, you know what you are? You're a job zombie. You're a person who's just going through the motions of life, doing your job because you think that's what it's all about. Well, what Ecclesiastes causes us to see is, no, that's not what it's all about, because actually your life is going to come. Your life is going to go. The earth is going to remain the same. And if the only thing you're thinking about is your job that might last 40 years or so, then 
It's meaningless. I'm 55 years old, soon to be 56. So you forgot my anniversary today of being here three months. Please don't forget my birthday, January 1st, 2018. Coming soon to a theater near you. And I like chocolate, so I'm just announcing that now. But over the last 55 years of my meaningless life, um, there have been many people who came and went some of whom I cannot stop thinking about, even though they're gone. And you know what? I'm going to mention some of these names. And some of you, because you're too young, and some of you, because you're too old and you're job zombies and you haven't been paying attention to the news, you're not going to know these people, okay? Um, These are the people whose lives have come and go while the earth remains. Well, actually, it's not remaining. Some people say it's it's getting warmer and so it's getting worse. But whatever. The earth maybe doesn't stay completely the same, but it looks like from the perspective of nature that... Life is the same. Who are the people who have come and gone over the 55 years of my life? Krista McAuliffe. Anybody know who she is? See, some of you don't know. Raise your hand if you don't know who Krista McAuliffe is. Raise your hand. Okay? Now put your hands down. Raise your hand if you do know who Krista McAuliffe is. Okay? She was the first female astronaut teacher on the Space Shuttle Challenger that blew up. In 1986. Okay? I think about her often. Um, Here's another person who's come and gone and yet the world remained. Princess Diana. You know who she is? Here's somebody else who came and went. And I hope everybody knows this name. Please tell me you'll all raise your hands. Michael Jackson. Okay. Raise your hand if you don't know who Michael Jackson is or was. Okay, I I nailed it on that one, people. Okay. Uh, um, Here's another one. Mother Teresa, her life has come and gone, but the earth has remained. Here's another one. Heath Ledger. Anybody know who Heath Ledger is? Okay. Raise your hand if you don't know who Heath Ledger is. Okay. He was the Joker in the last Batman movie. Why so serious, son? Okay. So Heath Ledger has come. He has gone. The earth remains the same. Why am I bringing this to your attention today, brothers and sisters? It's because many people try and ignore that fact of Ecclesiastes that he's bringing before our minds and our attention today. Consider your life in light of the eternity of what it seems is the world that keeps on going and the backdrop of your life, which is here today and gone tomorrow. Generations come, generations go, but the world remains the same. So as as Ecclesiastes, as the writer to Ecclesiastes comes to terms with life is meaningless. Why is it meaningless? From the first point I just mentioned, he goes to the second point. Why is life meaningless? Look at verse eight. It's because all things are wearisome. More than one can say the eye never has enough of seeing nor the ear is fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Why is why is life meaningless? Because life is tiring and wearisome. I know you believe that today. How many of you were staying up late last week doing homework? Raise your hands. That's wearisome, people. Um, How many of you um, who play an instrument practice and practice and practice and practice like I did when I was in college? Raise your hand. That's wearisome. Practicing the instrument. How many of you feel that dealing with your parents makes you want to pull your your hair out and say, that's wearisome. How many of you today? Okay, be careful. Your parents might be in the back. Okay, thank you for your honesty. Um, how many of you 
How many of you feel like life is wearisome because you're trapped at home changing diapers, doing dishes? Yeah, okay. You know what I'm talking about. All right. So I'll never forget my son got in great trouble in kindergarten class um, in, in Taipei, Taiwan. He was going to Bethany Christian School and they started talking about the wearisomeness of, of dishes and Martin starts telling everybody how we wash dishes in our house. He's like, let me tell you how we wash dishes in our house. You take them and you smash them. You take them and you smash them. I thought it was hysterical. He got sent to the principal. You know, he comes home, he tells me and I'm like, right on, son. You got your dad's sense of humor. Forget the principal. Um, but the point is, is that Dishes are wearisome. You're never done with it. Diapers, they seem like they're always there until the kid gets potty trained. Arguments with your spouse, your family members, taxes, email, text messaging, Chinese characters. If you've never tried, you don't know what wearisome is to to learn all those. How about this? Wearisome, preaching the gospel to people week after week after week. And they're not job zombies. They're gospel zombies. Mm Mm-hmm. 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 Okay, it's hard. So what conclusion does he come to in verse nine? There's nothing new. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There's nothing new. You will come and go and be forgotten. If I was thinking of a song for this section of the uh, of the message, I would think of a song that I'm sure most of you never heard because you're way too young. Um, it went like this. Okay, Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. Okay, that's what Ecclesiastes, uh, the writer to Ecclesiastes was thinking about. How about this one? Let it be, let it be, let it be, let it be. Okay, that's what he's saying. What has been will be again. Let it be, people, because it is what it is. And so that's what he's saying to us. But what else is he saying to us? Notice how how he ends the passage. Verse 12, I, the teacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. I took my mind, I applied it to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless. A chasing after the wind. What is crooked cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. Look, I said to myself, look. I have increased in wisdom more than anyone who's ruled over Jerusalem before me. I have experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. Then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom and also of madness and folly. But I learned that this, too, is a chasing after the wind. You know what he found out when you try to make sense of your meaningless life? It's this. Wisdom is a heavy burden and it does not solve life's problems or alleviate life's pains. Even though you're smart, even though you have the answer, you can't fix it. And it doesn't take away your pain. Those of you who go to Scripture to find wisdom, you will find wisdom. But you will find that in a world that is so messed up, full of sin and error and destruction and rot, that even the wisdom of Almighty God has not yet fixed things. Not yet, at least. So wisdom is a heavy burden. And it doesn't solve life's problems nor alleviate life's pains. Why? Because life's rough and then you die. So, brothers and sisters, today, where are you going to find meaning in your life if the teacher says it's meaningless? 
Is that all that there is? What he sees as being under the sun? No, brothers and sisters, that is not all that there is. Even though Ecclesiastes teaches us that everything remains the same, but you come and then you die, there is meaning. Why? Because someone came into this world and they not only died, but they rose again. And then they say to you that your labor, your work, your job is not in vain. It's not meaningless in the Lord. Because the tomb of Jesus Christ is empty, our lives are full of meaning. Our time is redeemed for His purposes. And our life is not simply an endless cycle of let us eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die and there is nothing after we die. No, our lives, brothers and sisters, are tinged with meaning Because the questions of Ecclesiastes point us to the answers that are in Jesus Christ. Your life has meaning because God has shown you how important it is by sending his own son to become like sinful flesh and to offer himself as an offering for sin and for sinners. Why can you go away from Ecclesiastes and this message today hopeful rather than ultimately depressed and suicidal? It's because of Jesus. He did come into the world. So the questions of the Old Testament and Ecclesiastes point us to the life and the death and the resurrection and the coming back of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. You only have two choices today. Some of you are trying to choose meaning for your life by seeking pleasure to deaden the pain and possessions to keep you from thinking deeply. And you know what? If that's the pathway you're on, You're never going to get there. No amount of possessions will be enough. No pleasure will ultimately deaden your pain. But there is another road. It is the road of Jesus Christ. It is the road of the cross. It is the road that God wants every single one of us on. And that's the road of following the one who himself said he is the way. He is the truth. He's the life. Life is not meaningless in Christ. Life is eternal and it is redeemed and it is for all of you. And for all of us, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that though we're led into a path of thinking and existential angst by the questions of the teacher in Israel, we are led into the answers and to faith and to joy and to hopefulness through your life and through your death and through your resurrection. So, Lord Jesus, invade our lives today. Make us your people And help us to celebrate you. We pray in your name. Amen.